So open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Do you have a favorite chapter in the Bible? I have about 47 of them. <laughs> Favorites, and I like them all. But as I, Ben had asked me if I would fill in for him today, and I just thought, well, what, what, what can you do in one Sunday? I mean, I've always taught through books of the Bible, so my schedule was made for me by God's Word. It's really an easy way to do it. Some people, oh, wow, he's, he's amazing. He goes through every book verse by verse. That's because I'm not bright enough to figure out other ways to do it. I just take it as it comes. But I've, I've taken you through this before, so it shouldn't be too difficult for you this morning. Uh, this is written to a group of believers in Ephesus, uh, written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've had the privilege to see Ephesus, to be there, and uh, also to read God's Word and get to know it. So, um, Asia Minor, early in the life of the church, the gospel spread up north there, and uh, the, some remnants that are around there are pretty amazing what was going on. God did a great work. Today, it's part of, a, of Turkey, so it's technically a Muslim nation that they're in the midst of, but there are believers there. In fact, uh, Bob McCreary, who's spoken here a couple of times years ago now, but uh, he and his wife have ministered right there in the capital for years with the gospel, helping uh, national workers in clandestine type uh, gospel ministries. And uh, there's great things going on that we can't tell you about for safety's sake. But uh, know that God is working, even in this part of the world today. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to look at verses 25 through 32 with you. The Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I want to introduce it with this, though, a story. Some of you have perhaps heard this story. Someone very near and dear to me, a young man, years ago was almost married twice, engaged to a really fine Christian young lady. Date was set. Wedding showers had been taken care of. The presents were opened. The rent was paid on where they would spend their lives together. And two weeks before the wedding, he called it off. He made a lot of people mad. <laughs> my younger brother, one of my younger brothers. And uh, so it's like, wow. And about a year later, he met another girl. And before long, they were engaged. And he just really struggled with it again. He drove over 100 miles one night to see me and tell me it's, it's happening again. And I was pretty young then. I was a Bible college student. I was a youth pastor. So in all my great wisdom, I gave him the best advice I had. I said, go pick her up and drive to Las Vegas tonight and get married. And he did it. <laughs> and they're still happily married to this day with wonderful children and a wonderful, wonderful life. His problem wasn't getting married. It was the ceremony and all the rigmarole. He just wanted to be married and go on with life, not go through all that stuff. That's Kind of odd, huh? Marriage is an important thing. Actually, there was, I'm sorry, there were actually two girls before the final one. 
that that happened with. So on the third time is when I told him that. I might not have on the second. I don't know. But uh, anyhow, so he did it. Praise God. It's worked all these years. Happily married. Uh, gosh, almost 40 years now, I think it is. A whole bunch of kids and gobs of grandchildren. So praise the Lord for that. So there are a lot of uh, people who find commitment difficult. Uh, I was that way as well, not so much with marriage. But uh, for some reason, I just I always wanted to get married. And I found the girl pretty early on and just did it. But uh, in other areas of life, commitment. God calls us to be committed. And in this letter to the Ephesians, amongst other things, Paul is going to talk about commitment. A lot of people find that hard, but God knows what's best for us and what will give him the most glory. Ephesians, oh, by the way, that young man, my brother, was one of the people who started this church as well. He and that girl came over and helped us. Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 32. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought also to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. You understand this? Paul's not talking about marriage here. Marriage is the illustration for us. Marriage gives us some insights. Great mystery. I speak to you of Christ and his church. This is what Paul is getting at. He got your attention with the wedding thing, and now he wants you to understand some theology and ecclesiology, the importance of the church. That's God's bride. You know that phrase, phrase, right, that we are called the bride of Christ, the church. And so in this passage, we give attention to the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has for his bride, his church. Most often, this passage is used in relations to husbands and wives and responsibilities of the church, of each other, like the church. But today, I want you to take and consider this love commitment that Christ has to his bride, to his church. We need to see that and take that personal. He loves us and he loves his church. He loves this church. He loves other churches too. There's fine churches right here in Simi Valley. Praise God. And the Lord loves them as well. But do you love the church? Do you love the church and the church? It involves commitment. It's not something we take lightly. My brother wasn't afraid of marriage. He was afraid of not being able to stay married, to be faithful to it. He didn't want to fail. 
That's what scared him. We need to be committed to Christ's church universally, but especially locally. We have a new pastor who's working like, trying to find something that's not crude. (laughs) But he's working it off. (laughs) Because he loves the church and he loves the Lord and we have got to get behind that. And I'm not saying you're not. But I want us to refocus on this and think about it. Today, we see the love commitment that Christ has for his church. The love that in former times, up until then, had been a mystery. Nobody really understood it. It was given in some typology, some metaphorical phrases. But the church wasn't really explained until now when Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives everybody this opportunity. You and me, we can see this. This is what God's after. It's a great mystery, but it's been revealed now. Anyone that's confused can understand by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in us and in his word. God didn't get his inspiration from observing the church, but the church gets his inspiration from seeing what God says about the church, how he loves us. In fact, you know, it's not a mystery, is it? It's a great mystery. And God explains it. God gives us the picture through the picture of marriage because we can relate to that. But it's, it's like the, the perfect marriage that's never been seen yet between him and his church. That's what's going on. So our marriages are, albeit frail, fragile, fallen sort of representation of his marriage for his church. But it doesn't stop there. So, Christ's church, local and universal, but especially local, how much do you love it? How much do you love the church? And when I say how much do you love it, I mean, how much of you are you willing to give up for the church? Christ died for it. He died for Lighthouse Bible Church. Others, but take it personal. How much do you love it? It's kind of personal now, isn't it? I'm getting getting after you a little bit. I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying you're not doing it, but have you examined your heart? Do you have a great love for his local church? I know a lot of you do, praise God, but I can't read hearts. I, your activity doesn't tell me necessarily what's inside. So how much do you love it? Do you love him enough to give him your love through his church. He sacrificed himself that he could redeem, buy back his church. The sacrificial steadfastness of the heavenly bridegroom coming after you and me. I rarely have any trouble going to sleep at night or in the middle of the day for that matter. I've, and that's not because I'm not because I'm 71 years old. You know, I'm going to be 72 in just a couple of weeks. It's a, I think it's genetic because my father could do it as well. But I can sit down anywhere. And if I sit still for two minutes or more, I, I am usually asleep. That's scary when you're driving, you know. <laughs> so I stay busy with something. 
So I don't stay up late at night worrying about things. But when I'm awake and when I'm uh, thinking, I, I think about his church a lot. Not because I'm an ordained minister of the gospel. I, I did that before. When I became a Christian, I, I got converted. I mean, things, switches were changed. And I loved him. And then when I understood his church, I fell in love with his church. I've served in several churches before I, we came here and started this one. And I loved each one of them. They all had problems. You know, you know what's wrong with church? It's got people in it. And I don't know about you all, but no. I look in the mirror and say, okay, what are you going to mess up today? Let's get it started. Because it's going to happen, right? That's who I am. That's who we are. We're not perfect. But he bought us back from slavery. Slavery of sin. And he paid the price Suffered, died, buried, rose again to take care of your sin and to bring you into his church and to be looking forward to having special relationship with you on a regular basis and using you for his glory. We're to be sacrificially steadfast to, in our love to our heavenly father. In our society, marriage contracts can and often are broken. People get out of marriage, and some of you have experienced that, and I, I don't mean to be judgmental in this at all, but divorce is not God's plan. Wherever you are now, stay there. Don't think you unwind things. God is gracious. He loves you. But his plan is to... Have us show the world what the church looks like. And so we need to press on from wherever we are now and realize that his love to us is not a contract. It's a covenant. Covenants cannot be broken. Contracts can. That's why in, in a lot of our states, you can, you, when you get married, you, you sign a contract in effect, not a covenant. So some Christian couples actually ask for a covenant the thing instead of a contract because there are two different things you can get in some states. So we are not in a contract with our Savior. We are in a covenant with him that he is paid for by his own blood, with his own blood. And so now we have this relationship. We have his immutable love. Remember that word? Immutable. Cannot change. Not, not won't change. Cannot. It is impossible for Christ's love to change. Is that comforting? I don't know about you all, but I got up this morning and I was, it was Roger again. I'm thinking, well, I'm glad Jesus loves me no matter what. Oh, I rarely do bad things externally, but I think some things that are not honoring to Christ. Which is more wicked? Yes. Both. But he loves me because I'm his bride. And I don't want to take advantage of that, but I'm so grateful that's what it is. And that's what he wants us to have toward his church. He loved her from eternity past. By his own volition, his own choice, his own freedom, he chose to do this. He's cleansing us and preparing us for himself. This immutable, unchanging love that he has for his church is yours to enjoy, yours to benefit from, yours to be comforted by. 
unchanging love. By the way, there's some, there's some people in this building right now today looking to get married before too long. Some others that are hoping. Go into your marriage with this same attitude. Let God rule in your relationship. With the church, we're not just his bride. We're his body. The church is the body of Christ. This may be a little challenging mathematically because, you know, everyone who's a believer is part of his church, and yet we, here we are calling ourselves a church. And so there is that idea of a universal church, but there is the manifestation of the local church. He loves that church, and he loves all these churches that make that church. The help, it's all in his hands. And he calls us his body. He's preparing his bride, his church, an unbelievable wedding supper. We'll be gathered around enjoying that together in Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, is 6 through 9. And I heard, as it were, a voice, the voice of a great multitude, and the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in linen, fine linen, even uh, clean and bright. And the fine linen is the righteousness, the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed. You're here today. That kind of tells me you're probably pretty faithful to Christ. So, So I'm not preaching to condemn you. I'm praying that you will take this as an encouragement to press on. Maybe some things need to be worked on, but press on with this. How many of you woke up this morning and said, wow, I got nothing else to do. Maybe I'll go to church. That doesn't happen very often, does it? Usually you came here because you wanted to. Now you have some friends, have some free coffee, but mostly you want to honor him, right? So I, I realize that I'm preaching to the choir, that most of us are on board with this, but I think we need this encouragement, this reinforcement. I review this regularly for my own heart's sake because the world grabs me. The world is forever trying. You know, I, most of you know that I, I don't watch television. It's not because I'm godly. It's because I'm afraid. I get so caught up by things. Jingles play and I'm suddenly, oh yeah, I need one of those. I, and I don't need any of that. And then of course there's all kinds of vileness going on there too. So I, and I, I want to be faithful to my husband my i want to be his bride so i'm trying to encourage you today this is the promise it's not a, a burdensome thing it's not heaviness in the sense of oh it's know who you are in christ and enjoy it and take it to the limit be his he died for the church he gave himself for the church that's you and he's doing this for you preparing this bride and one day will come back for us were created and saved and then conformed to his image. He wants you to become like him. 
doesn't want, and you're going to, but in the meantime, now you need to be cooperating with that. How, how are you doing in your daily Christian life? Is it becoming more Christ-like? How, how do you measure that, right? You have somewhere you can test it. You're 87% Christian today. Yeah, there's nothing like that. We just keep pressing on toward these goals, these things he, he's put before us, things that would honor and glorify him. So you've come to church today because you want to see some old friends. You want a free cup of coffee or whatever. But you also want to hear from his word. That's good. Be encouraged. You're doing the right thing. But in the meantime, that's not all there is. Keep pressing on. A deeper commitment. Uh, I, I have to tell you that I, it's hard to think this through, but I love my wife more today than I ever have. Not because she's changed, but because I've changed. My love has changed. My love is deeper. It's stronger. It's more committed. Not that it was ever bad, but it just, it grows. I want my love to Christ to be like that. I don't care if someone looks at hey, you. don't look like a Christian. I don't care what I look like. I want to know where my heart's going. Am I after him? And you should do the same thing. Here he is. He's your bride and he's, he's loving you and you need to respond to that in some way. He's cleaned you up. But I still remember in, in my Christian experience, my times of arrogance as a new believer in Jesus Christ. I was out straightening out everyone else when I wasn't very straight myself. What do you call a hypocrite? Because I could point to things that were wrong in everybody else's life without needing to deal with mine. But Christ wanted to work on me. <laughs> he loves me. And he doesn't need me to go around telling everybody else what's wrong with him. But had you have known me in those days, you would not have been... You wouldn't have come to hear me preach today if you knew me back then. God continued to work. Conversion comes and then you grow. You mature. And he is calling his bride and he's equipping us ready for this wedding that's going to come in glory. We're already his bride, but there will be that glorious celebration yet to come. Amongst my various areas of arrogance was about churches. I was judging churches, uh, Christian churches, but judgmental toward them, which is really kind of bizarre considering I never went. I'd got converted and, and met Jesus and had gone to some special events and whatnot. And, and back in those days, believe it or not, I actually had a voice and a guitar and people that played music with me. And we would go play in Christian coffee houses and some churches even had a sin. I don't know what they were thinking. But I didn't go to the church because it's all full of hypocrites while I was judging them as a hypocrite. It's a vicious thing to get off on that track. We need to come together, worship him, and decide that that's, that's the priority of my life. And then as we go out the doors, continue the worship throughout the week. He is our bride. We are his bridegroom. God wants to make us, not make, but cause us to enjoy that, to benefit from it. I wanted to be like Jesus, or at least the Jesus I imagined. Jesus was cool. Long hair, beard, wandered around. That's what I wanted to do. That's cool, it fits. 
you know, we really don't know what Jesus looked like. He was Jewish. We know that. But uh, beyond that, not much. He was just like everybody else at that time. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. We're to be like him. And that's not about how you appear. It's not anything about looks or, or, or fashions or you know, any of that kind of thing. It's about character. The character of God. Holy. And holy, by the way, does not mean someone who runs around acting like they're holy. You just are. We're holy because Christ died for us and the Holy Spirit now lives in us and we are holy. Sometimes we let others tell us what that should look like instead of the scriptures. It's not legalism. It's following God's plan. Enjoying what he has for us. Chapter 5 of Ephesians will give you a lot of data on that. And by the way, there are no perfect churches. That shock you? They're full of people. So they can't be perfect. But Christ works in them in the midst of all that. He is committed to make his church perfect eventually. People are getting saved. People are growing in Christ. And that's what needs to happen. The church though, is perfect in our position. We are in Christ, and that's our perfection. Our practice, our daily living, doesn't always measure up to it. But by God's grace, it's changing. It is becoming more like Christ. And that's what we're to be after. Not to measure ourselves, not to compare ourselves to others, but just, what's Christ calling me to in his scriptures? I need to be doing that. Because I love him. I'm his bride. You're his bride. Stay at it. You want to honor him? Love what he loves. That's how you honor him. Love what he loves. He loves righteousness. He loves holiness. He loves sinners. Do you? I have Christian friends who won't talk to someone who's a sinner. I'm not sure they're Christians. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're going to talk to sinners, right? They need Jesus. They need him bad. And maybe you do too. I don't know, because someone's truly converted is going to be more like Christ. Who did Christ hang out with, by the way? Rascals. He didn't hang out to be one of them. He was with them because he loved them and cared for them and wanted to help them. Some of those guys ended up writing some of the books of the Bible, by the way. Those rascals. God is able to change anybody and take this imperfect church that is positionally perfect but not yet physically worked out and let him keep practicing in you and me and as we commit to each other. Uh, I could go into a long list of practical things, but uh, how many people from our church that you don't see on a regular basis did you call? Text, Facebook, contact in any way in the last week. Imagine if your body didn't talk to itself. You start slapping yourself in the head. <laughs> Not knowing what's going on. The body needs to be connected. 
And love says, make it happen. Contact each other. Get really old-fashioned, old-school, you know? Write a card and put it in the mail. You all know how to use stamps? Kind of a passing thing. But uh, for now, they're still there. He loves his church. He wants his church to be connected and to be under his control, being changed. Perfect in position, but imperfect in practice at this point. You want to honor him? Honor what he honors. It uh, was an interesting thing uh, years ago. Uh, Guy wrote a book. You'd know the, the name if I read it, but I want to give you the title. But anyhow, in it, uh, he talked about lists of reasons why people would rather date church than commit to church. He said, quote, I, I'm seeing a church on such and such a street. Marry her? Whoa. I'm ready for that. She's kind of clingy. Wants to get together two hours every Sunday. Always asking me to go to some small group study. Wants me to serve. I don't want to ruin something beautiful. I want to keep my options open. When you sold out to Christ, you don't have options. You have a savior. You have a husband. You have responsibility as a Christian. We don't keep our options open. Obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So he's made this commitment, and now we need to respond properly. Okay. So the New Testament makes it clear to us. God uses the local church as the primary vehicle to proclaim his gospel. That's not the only place. As I told you, I wasn't a part of a church for a while when I was young, but I did a lot of witnessing, a lot of sharing the gospel, other events. But God uses primarily his local church for these kind of things, to get the gospel out, to do the training, to equip, to send, to support. He uses the local church as his primary vehicle for making disciples. This is where people should come and gather and get to know each other and develop relationships and to grow in Christ through mutual encouragement in the word of God. God calls believers to build their lives around the local church. He gives spiritual gifts that are be to use in and through the local church. He expects our love to be universal and calls us to commit to a local church to see that happen. That's God's plan. Do you love the Lord's church? That's the one that meets all over the world. The true believers everywhere, they make up that church. But that church doesn't meet regularly. That church doesn't have discipleship going everywhere. That happens in the local church. So we think globally, but we practice locally. Okay? Practice here. There's three parts of commitment to church. You might be able to come up with more. But convictions based on biblical truth. And then conquering competing interests. And then commitment to the observable. 
We have convictions that are based on biblical truth, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God that was given to me by the effective working of his power. To me who was le- am less than the least of all the saints, this is the Apostle Paul writing, was given grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God is made known in the church to the principalities, powers, in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose for which he designed it, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was excited to share the gospel. He was passionate about the local church because God was showing him the unsearchable riches of Christ and he wanted others to know that. We should not be committed to a church because it provides lots of fun events, activities. Those aren't wrong things necessarily. But that's not the right motivation to be part if you come to Lighthouse because there's something here that's just, they got a really cool something, you need to stop and think about that. That's not why we come to church. We come to church to worship God together and to minister to each other. That's what church is about. You can go to a mega church, you can go to a mini church. And if they're not doing that, they're not doing what God wants. They both could be doing it. And they both could not be. It's, it's not size. It's not technology. It's not programs. It's reading, studying, listening to the word of God and determining by his grace to do what it says in the midst of a local congregation. That's what we're to be about. Christ died for his church because he loves his church. And you, Christian, are part of that church, universal. And you are probably a member here because you're faithfully here. But we need to be committed. We need to be settled on that. We should not be committed to a local church because it's where our friends are. Hope your friends are where you are, but that's not why we do it. Now the manifold wisdom of God is made known by the church, Paul wrote to you. We need to conquer competing interests, other things that draw us away. We need to make his church a priority I'm sorry. We need to make his church the priority in our lives. It's not something we do when we're not busy. It's not something we do if they got something good going on. It's, we get involved because it's what Christ has called us to, our Savior. And there's joy in it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. See, it was happening even in the New Testament era. But exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. Christ is coming back, and we need to exhort. That means to, you know, get each other going, build each other up, strengthen, challenge that we might be sharing the gospel for the glory of God. Some people struggle with some of the things God calls us to, and we don't want to ever go beyond what Scripture is clear on. We don't need to 
make up or provide our own things. Some people do. But be committed to what Christ is committed to. That's his local church. The assembling of ourselves together. We need to be that assembly. That's what the word church actually means, an assembly, a gathering, a body. You all uh, remember the story of Eric Liddell and uh, famous movie, Chariots of Fire. He'd been a runner all his life and had just made the opportunity to win the highest prize of all. But the race was on Sunday and he wouldn't violate God's day, even for the highest medal imaginable in his field of activity. A lot of people hold him up as a great example and model, but they don't seem to follow it. What would it take to get you... Why are you here today, by the way? Aren't there other things you could be doing? Didn't you see that beautiful beach? What are you doing in church? Oh, it's too far to drive. I hope it's more than that. You wanted to be where God wants you. You want to hear from his word. You want to see brothers and sisters. That's why we're here. And that's why we need to keep being here for each other in that regard. Commitment, by the way, needs to be observable. It should show. It should manifest itself in our lives. You know, uh, amongst a whole bunch of jobs I had as I was going through college and then Bible college and then seminary, uh, I worked at a couple of places where I worked in uh, grocery stores. And in that particular, I wouldn't call it a career, but you know, that, that where you work there, you have to join the union and all that. And, and one of the deals is that you have to be available to work any day of the week. And so when I interviewed for the job, I said, well, listen, here's the pledge I'll make. I'll be your best employee if you never schedule me on a Sunday. I'm a Christian. I want to be in church. Well, we can't do that. We, you, everyone's got, I said, well, I went to another one, told him the same thing, and he was smart. He said, okay, only if we absolutely need you. And in a year's time, they needed me once, and it was legitimate, and I felt that it was fine to help them out because they made that commitment to me. I didn't have to work on Sundays. A lot of jobs, well, you have to work. Maybe you don't. When we give up too easily this wonderful gathering Every Sunday, first day of the week, to gather together to worship. And so many believers, and legitimate believers, but they don't understand. They, they let the world decide for them whether they'll be in church or not. We need to guard this precious day. It's one day in seven, a little taste of heaven. Now, in heaven, you, you won't be sitting out there having to stay awake while I go on and on. But this is a bit of it, the worship and the, the hearing his word and being reminded and encouraged by it. So I'm going to stop. There's always more. <laughs> always more. So uh, Kathy read these notes and did approve them if I stopped right there. <laughs> because she knew. So it's good to stand here and look at you again.
And Ben will use me other times down the road, I'm sure. Uh, again, we want to thank God for our new pastor. I think he's doing a marvelous job. He's different than me. Does some things differently, you know what? And that's probably a very good idea. Because when you've been somewhere, you know, for a thousand years, you know, you're getting some ruts. And so, praise God. And I'm grateful for your diligence and listening. You've been looking, you've been paying attention. Nobody's scribbling. And uh, I want to pray for you now, Father. This is your church. This is one of your many churches. Your countless number of churches around the world that are meeting this day this first day of the week to honor you first of all just by our presence god you're important to me and i'm here because of that but even more because we love your word we love your bible we love to hear it explained and applied Lord, we love other believers that you bring us in, in touch with, even as we are right here now. And we'll break up in a minute. We're not going to all just run away. We'll hang around for a while because we love what you're doing in each other's lives. Help us continue to be your church. Pray for the ones who are uh, away at the marriage uh, seminar over there in Ventura. Uh, ben, Dana in particular, we just thank you for them. Pray that this is a time of great refreshing for them. Look forward to next Sunday when Ben's back uh, preaching for us. Lord, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you as Savior, they're not sure that their sins are forgiven, I pray that you would give them boldness. Boldness to talk to me or someone else they might have confidence in here. And just ask for an opportunity to have a private get-together. And ask questions and, and see from your word, from the Bible, how a person can have their sins forgiven forever. How to become part of your church. Lord, help us to be able to minister to each other as we spend a little time now in Jesus' name. Amen.